0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وَخِيرَ الْهُدَىٰ هُدَىٰ مُحَمَّدٍ صلى الله عليه وسلم وَإِنَّ شَرَّ الْأُمُورِ مُحْدَثَاتُهَا وَكُلَّ مُحْدَثَةٍ بِدْعَةٍ وَكُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضَلَالَةٍ وَكُلَّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِي النَّارٍ So this is our third or fourth lesson, fourth lesson I believe on the Lamiyah ascribed to Sheikh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah yeah. and in the previous lesson we finished looking at the first line of the first verse of the poetry saili an madhabi wa aqidati huda man hidayati and so the number of issues that we looked at pertaining to this uh, verse we looked at the issue of types of questions which people ask sometimes a person can ask a question intending by that guidance, direction, knowledge and sometimes a person can ask a question being stubborn he's stubborn, he's not asking in order to uh, receive guidance and knowledge and instruction rather he's asking because he's stubborn Uh, so we raised that issue also we looked at the meaning of madhab and the meaning of the word aqidah And likewise we looked at the issue of rizq And likewise guidance and the types of guidance The four levels of guidance if you remember (coughs) We mentioned And uh, likewise those things Which give a person guidance Which bring about guidance And those things which prevent a person from guidance So we looked at all of that in the previous lesson And so we continue today inshallah ta'ala With the next uh, line in the poetry uh, in which Ibn Taymi uh, said <laughs> So if you look at the sheet which I've given out This one has the translation on it uh, With the Arabic And if you don't have a copy You can download from the website Aqeedah.com The PDF is on there You can download and print uh, In your own time but this line, is kalama muhakkikin fi qawlihi so here he says, "Listen to the speech of the one who has ascertained the truth of his statement." And then he says, "La yanthani anhu wa that he does not depart from it, <coughs> nor does he replace. The speech or the statement with something else. <coughs> so, what does this kalam? What does this mean? So, we'll begin first of all with the commentary of Sheikh Salih Al-Sohemy, So, he says, the Sheikh comments on this, and he says that what Ibn Taymi, is saying here, because I already remember that he's addressing the person who asked the question. Oh, who is asking about my creed, about my doctrine? Certainly, he is bestowed with guidance, the one who asks for guidance. So he's continuing in this introduction. He's now saying to him, he's saying to him, listen to the speech of, 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 of mine, which I'm going to say to you in explanation of what this creed is, in explanation of what this madhab and this aqidah, this doctrine and this belief, what it is. And listen to it because it is speech, which is the truth. It is the truth. There is no doubt regarding this speech. And that this speech, which I'm going to mention to you, it is firmly established, just like the mountains are firmly established upon the earth. And that this belief and this creed, which I'm going to explain to you, is the one which every single Muslim, it is obligatory for him to be upon this belief. And in the sense that every Muslim, every believer, he should hold fast to this clean and pure aqeedah, which itself is derived from the Book of Allah, the Mighty and Majestic, and from the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah wasallam, and which is in agreement with what the Salaf were upon. So in other words, Sheikh Salih Sahim is explaining here, that Ibn Taymi is saying, that all oh, you Muslim... My dear brother Muslim, meaning the one who is asking him the question, oh my dear brother Muslim, who is investigating about the truth, who is asking about the truth, you should listen to what I am about to say to you. Listen to what I am going to say, and what I am saying to you, I've taken it from the book of Allah, the Mighty and Majestic, and from the Sunnah of His Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and which a person should never divert away from. You should never divert away from. It's like when you uh, are proceeding upon a path, and then the path splits and goes in another direction. So a person should never ever split and go in another direction, where there's, where there's two paths that you know separate and split. Rather, he should stay on that one way in that path. And so he says that this path, that you should never split away from, then as long as you are making tawakkul upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so long as you make tawakkul upon Allah, and so long as you depend upon Allah, and so long as you make isti'ana from Allah, that you seek aid from Him, then so long as this is the case, then you will remain upon this way, upon this path, this way, this methodology, which the Prophet was upon, which his companions were upon, رضي anhum. And this is how a Muslim should be, should be basically thinking. That once he knows the truth, then he holds fast onto it and never ever diverts and you know moves in any other direction. And so the Sheikh says that this is how every single Muslim should be. He should strive to know exactly what is the manhaj of the Salaf. This is every Muslim today, there's no exception. Every Muslim today, his obligation is to ask and to learn and to know what were the salaf upon in this issue, or in that issue, or in that issue. And so his ijtihad should be in this regard. And then, when he comes to know that, he comes to know what that truth is, in whatever issue it might be, then he has gained fiqh. He now has gained fiqh in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning understanding. He's gained understanding. And this fiqh, In the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the thing which protects, by way of which Allah protects his believer, his believing slave. So this fiqh which is given to an individual when he truly grasps and he truly understands that which he ought to believe and he takes it from the correct sources, from the Qur'an, from the Sunnah and from the Salaf, then this is fiqh which Allah has bestowed upon a believer. This now is the grasping and the understanding of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And once he has given him this fiqh, so once Allah bestows upon an individual, which is a favor and a from Allah upon an individual, then this itself protects a person from falling into two extremes. The first extreme is of extremism, exaggeration. And the other extreme is negligence, falling short. So this fiqh that we are speaking of here, then this is something by which Allah protects a believer from the paths that lead to other ways. And then the shaykh brings an ayah in the Qur'an, in which Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ Allah says that those are the ones whom Allah has guided. Now he's speaking about the messenger and his companions. So by, they, so by their guidance, then seek to guide yourself. Now this is a clear, explicit command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for every single muslim to seek to guide himself by the guidance of the prophet and his companions sallallahu alaihi wasallam and upon from from the companions radiyallahu anhum and this ayah is in surah al an'am surah 6 verse 90 and it's one of those many verses in the quran that establish the obligation of following the Sahaba Allahu following their understanding of the deen. There are many verses in the Qur'an which establish that as an obligation. And this is one of them. Then the Shaykh says, after this, that upon you, O servant of Allah, is that you abide by this manhaj, this methodology which is being laid out. And that you proceed upon it, and then if you do so, then or we, shall expri- we shall explain what is this path. And how you are to follow it And what are its reasons and causes Which help you upon it by, by Allah's permission taala. Then he says Then the shaykh says That once a person is upon this path In meaning that once a person is upon this path Then he does not turn to any other way In other words, there should be no issue or no affair that comes and takes him away from that path. Nothing should come that takes him away from this path up until he meets Allah, the blessed and the exalted whilst he's upon that state. Meaning he's remaining upon this path, never deviating from it. And then he says, how is this done? This is done by making itimad upon Allah, by depending upon Allah, by making tawakal upon Allah, relying upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And always asking Allah to give him thabat, to give him firmness upon the path. And this is why we have been commanded that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whilst we are in sujood, يَا مُقَلِّبَ الْقُلُوبِ ثَبِّتْ قَلْبِي عَلَى دِينِكَ يَا مُقَلِّبَ الْقُلُوبِ ثَبِّتْ قَلْبِي عَلَى دِينِكَ O turner of the hearts, O he who turns the hearts, establish my heart upon your deen. Upon your religion, and likewise, we know the hadith of the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم, in which he said, "Inna kulub ibad min asabi Rahman Indeed, the hearts of the servants are between two of the fingers of ar rahman and He turns them in whichever way He wills, whichever direction He wills. This indicates. That guidance and misguidance is in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is something that Allah bestows. Allah bestows guidance. And the meaning of guidance and misguidance, by the way, something that we've covered previously, is when we say that Allah guides and Allah misguides, Allah, He gives huda to some and He makes idlal. He causes others to go astray. What does this mean? This means... Uh, as the scholars explain, that guidance is when Allah gives tawfiq, tawfiq, success. And misguidance is when Allah makes khidlan. Khidlan means to abandon and to leave. And to guide means to give tawfiq. And so what does it mean giving tawfiq? Tawfiq means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives a servant some additional support and help and direction. He puts in front of his way certain things that will guide him and push him into guidance. And these things are on top of the five things which he has given to everybody. Right? So five things Allah has given to every human. He has given him the fitra, by which he knows the truth from falsehood. He has a basic understanding of you know, Knowing what is right from wrong, he knows that worshipping Allah alone is the truth and worshipping others is falsehood. He has a basic sense of justice and injustice. Right? He knows so by the fitrah, he knows certain, the, 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 certain things are correct and true and should be followed. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gave him aql, he gave him reason. He gave him reason by which to think. And likewise, Allah gave him qudrah and irada. This is the third thing now qudrah and irada. He gave him power and ability and the ability to make a choice. Right? These are three things. Fitra, Aqal, and then Qudra and irada, By which man becomes one who chooses and acts. And then after this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he sent books, fourthly, and he sent messengers. Right. With all of these five things that Allah has sent, which have reached mankind, Fitra, Aqal, Qudra, and the, the, the books, Al-Kutub, and the messengers, Al-Rusul, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has established Al-Adal. Al-Adal. This now is justice on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has been just, Allah has established His justice, in that He has not left mankind without direction, without guidance. Nor has He been unjust in the sense he has, that, that, that He hasn't given them the means and the abilities by which to think and reason, and to recognize right from wrong, and to choose, and to act upon that which is truth, and avoid that which is falsehood. So here Allah has established al-adl. He has established his justice. He's not being unjust in any any form or fashion. But from this point onwards, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to guide someone, he will now give him further additional help and support on top of what he's already established from his adal. This is when he guides someone. And if he wishes to misguide someone, then he leaves him to his own devices. After already having given him fitrah, aql, qudrah, books, messengers. So this proves and shows to us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he guides and when he misguides, he has not been unjust to anyone. He's not being unjust to anybody. There is no injustice in Allah guiding some and misguiding others. Rather, when Allah guides some people, this is from the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah has given additional aid and support and help to an individual. This now is from Allah's fadl, from his bounty, from his favor upon an individual. And if he wants to misguide someone, he will just leave him with whatever this individual already has. He will leave him to his own devices and not give him tawfiq. He will make khizlan. he will leave him. Uh, but in this, Allah is not being unjust. Because a person has still got the fitrah, the aql, the books, the messenger sent to him. He knows what's right and what's wrong. Okay? So when we speak about guidance and misguidance being in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah is not unjust in whom he guides and whom he misguides, then we understand that we should be fearful as Muslims. That fearful first and foremost, that we are deprived from knowing what is the truth. And then after we know what the truth is, that we fail to act upon that truth. And that we understand that Allah is the one who guides and Allah is the one who misguides. And how many people are there in history? Ya ikhwan, we see in history there are many, many, many examples in which we see people being misguided despite the presence of the Sahaba anhum, the greatest of the scholars of this Ummah because in the time of the Sahaba there appeared the Khawarij and the Rafidah and the Qadariya and the Murji'ah, despite the fact that the Sahaba were living and present. And whoever wanted to know the truth, he could go and find out the truth. How? By going and finding a sahabi. Going to one of the sahaba. So despite their presence, we see people being misguided. And likewise, in the time of the tabi'een, like al-Hasan al-Basri, and uh, Muhammad ibn Sirin and other than them, we see people like the Jahmiyyah, and the Mu'tazila and other than them, uh, and they didn't seek knowledge, they didn't stick to those who took knowledge from the Sahaba. And so they became misguided, they innovated into the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they became misguided, and there was no excuse for their misguidance. Absolutely no excuse whatsoever. So we see here that guidance and misguidance is in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and when Allah gives this fiqh, fiqh, which is to grasp and understand the deen of Allah, to understand the aqeedah of Tawheed, to understand the Aqeedah with respect to Iman, to understand the Aqeedah with respect to Al-Qadr, al qada wal-Qadr, to understand the Aqeedah with respect to Allah's names and attributes, to understand the Aqeedah we believe with respect to things that we cannot see, like the punishment in the grave, and likewise the affairs in the hereafter, and all of these other connected issues, and likewise fiqh in the deen of Allah, in His commands, in His prohibitions, when He acquires all of that, then this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protecting that believer from falling into negligence and exaggeration. And this is a bounty from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what does this tell us? What is this saying to us? This is saying to us, and what does this line of poetry that Ibn Taymi is saying, isma'a kalama fi qawlihi la anhu wa la that you should listen to the speech of someone who knows what he is saying. Someone who has verified the truth of what he's about to tell you. Someone who has, who has looked and investigated and arrived at the truth in the speech is now going to tell you that you should listen carefully and then you should never split away from this way, from this speech, from this saying, and nor should you replace it for something else. This is what Ibn Taymiyyah is, is saying. So this in essence is what has been said by Sheikh Salih al-Sahimi, Hafizullah ta'ala, and then we have some other kalam So Ibn Taym he said Isma'a kalama muhaqqakin So let's take each of these words One by one He said at the beginning Isma'. Isma'a He's saying Listen And listening Isma', When we speak of the word isma, The word or The sam'a then there are two types of hearing There are two types of hearing The first one is what we call samu' idrak, Sam'u idrak, The hearing by which you actually grasp So you hear and you're actually grasping what is being said to you It enters into your heart and you actually grasp And then another type of hearing oh this, In fact, this is the first type of uh, hearing and the second type of hearing is when a person is hearing, but it's not going into his heart. This is what we call the sama, which is Ghafla. Well, when a person is heedless. Right? He's hearing, he can hear the speech, but it's not going into not going into the heart. Right? And you'll understand that the, these two types of hearing are mentioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. Because there are some people. Who are hearing in the true sense of the word Because remember The ears are just a mechanism They're just a mechanism All the ears do Is bring in what is heard And bring it to the heart So understanding So just because you hear something Doesn't mean that you are understanding something right? The ear is just a mechanism It brings Just like the eyes are a mechanism All they do is they take They visually take what is seen And then they, they take it to the heart and likewise, the ears, the ears are just a mechanism. And they bring words and what is heard, and they then they take it to the heart. So while the ears might be hearing, the heart is not hearing. Or the heart may be hearing. right? So this, so this is the reality of hearing. The proof for these two types of hearing in the Qur'an, the first of them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, regarding the believers, وَقَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا. سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا. The believers, they say, and they say, we have heard, we hear, and we obey. So they've heard the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They've hear, they heard the speech of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The speech enters into their heart. They meet it with acceptance, with qubul and tasdiq. They believe it as true. They make qubul, they accept it. They make inkiyad. They believe they have to act, uh, uh, abide by it. And then physically and outwardly, they abide by it. Right, So this is true hearing. And as for this surah, this is in surah al-Baqarah, surah number 2, verse 285. And as for the second, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, خُذُوا Allah says, take what we have given you with strength, meaning hold on to it strongly like this. And listen. wasmau, Listen. And then Allah says about these people, qalu. So when they were given this command, when Allah ordered them, take what we've given you with strength, hold on to it, cling on to it, and listen. They said, sami'na wa That we listen and we disobey. We listen and we disobey. This means that they heard the speech. They weren't, they weren't deaf, they heard the speech. The speech came into their ears. But then... It didn't enter into the heart as it truly should have. So they heard, and then they disobeyed. So this is a type of hearing which is condemned in the, in, in the Qur'an. And likewise, in, this is in Surah Al-Baqarah also, Surah number 2, verse number 93. And likewise, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He commands, ta'kunu la Allah says, do not be like those who say, oh, we are hearing, we are listening. But they are not truly listening. They say, we have heard, we have heard, but they're not truly listening. Surah Al-Anfal, surah number 8, verse number 21. So from this we establish that there are two types of hearing. Now, Ibn Al-Qayyim, he has a really uh, excellent commentary on one of the verses in Surah Al-Qaf, Surah the 50th Surah, Surah 50, and this is in his book Al-Fawaid. This is one of the great and amazing books of Ibn Al-Qayyim called Al-Fawaid, meaning the the benefits. And this book is, you know, he brings many different benefits from the Quran and from the Sunnah. And the very first page of this book, he discusses. He has a chapter. He has a heading. And because we are talking about this right now about hearing and whatever else, then inshallah we can read from this passage of Ibn al Qayyim because it is it is amazing. So he begins under the title and he says Kha'idatun Jalilatun, which means a great lofty principle. This is a great and lofty principle. So he's what is this principle? He says Shurut Shurut Al Intifar bil Quran. Shurut al Intifa bil Quran. The conditions of benefiting from the Quran. The conditions of benefiting from the Quran. Now which which Muslim is not in need of benefiting from the Quran? And which Muslim can be ignorant of these shurut, these conditions he is mentioning. So he says, Ida Arat al Intifa bil Quran. فجمع قلبك عند تلاوته سمأك وحضر حضور من به من تكلم به سبحانه منه إليه. So the translation of this in Ruf means he says that if you desire to benefit from the Quran, then bring together your heart, bring together the presence of your heart when it is being recited and when it is being heard and th- he uses a phrase which means wa alqi sam'ak meaning throw your hearing what it means is direct your hearing in other words focus and uh, you know be present as if you are one who's being addressed directly by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is how your attention should be this is how your hearing should be as one who's being addressed and then he says, because this speech of Allah, فَإِنَّهُ مِنْهُ لَكَ عَلَى لِسَانِ رُسُولِهِ Because this Qur'an is Allah speaking to you directly through the tongue of His Messenger wasallam. So then he brings the verse in the Qur'an, which establishes these conditions. What is this verse? This is the verse in Surah Al-Qaf, Surah, Surah 50. Verse number thirty-seven. Surah fifty, verse number thirty-seven. What is this verse? In this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, In la La This verse, in this verse, Allah says, indeed, in that is a reminder. What is Allah speaking about? Everything which has come before in Surah Al-Qaf. In Surah Al-Qaf, what is Surah Al-Qaf speaking of? What is the if you read Surah Al-Qaf, what is it all speaking of? It's speaking of the resurrection and the holding, you know, Allah, Allah resurrecting things and uh, Allah destroying the people of the past, and likewise Allah speaking of uh, how a soul when when it dies and how it will be brought to Allah. And then you know the, the scrolls and everything. All of these things are being mentioned in Surah Al-Qaf. These types of issues to do with the al Qiyamah and judgment and so on and so forth. So after all of this, Allah says, "Inna fi indeed in that meaning what is preceded, "La is a admonition and a reminder. "Liman kana lahu qalbun," for the one who has a heart, "Wa al and then who listened attentively, وَهُوَ shahid, whilst he is a witness. Now, in this ayah, in this ayah we see, there are, Ibn Al-Qayyim says that, when we look at one thing, affecting another thing, there are four elements involved. There are always four elements involved. And this verse has mentioned all of these four elements. The first thing is what we call the, Mu'athir, al-mu'athir or al-mu'athir, the thing which is doing the affecting, the thing which is doing the affecting, the thing which affects something else, the thing which produces the effect. That's the first thing that, that has to be present. The second thing is the place or the thing which is being affected. It has to it has to be present. It has to be present and and so that's the second thing. And the third thing is that, that, that in order for this thing to benefit, it must have the condition. There's a condition. This is the third thing now, the condition. So we have al mu'athir, which is the thing that produces the benefit. There must be the thing which is ready to receive the benefit, the thing. And it must have the condition of of benefiting, the shard, of benefiting. And then, fourthly, the barrier which prevents it from benefiting Has to be absent There mustn't be any barrier So we have four things now All these four things are what I mentioned in this ayah There must be the thing which benefits Which produces the effect There must be the thing which receives the effect There must be the condition to receive the effect And then there must be no barrier So that the, so that the effect is not prevented All of these four things are in this verse What are they? First of all إِنَّ فِي ذَٰلِكَ Allah says indeed in what has preceded is indeed a reminder. So what is the thing that effects, that produces the effect? It is what Allah has mentioned at the beginning of the surah of the resurrection and the accounting and the soul and the fact that you know, his deeds are written down by the angel you know who sits, the angels who sit and write. All of this in that is an admonition. This is the thing which produces the effect. Then, what is the thing that's receiving the effect? That that has to be present. What is it? Allah says, لمن كان له قلب For the one who has a heart. So now the heart, the heart is the one which is receiving the effect. And then he says, Ibn al-Qayyim, he explains, so first of all, we have the thing which produces the effect, which is the revelation on what's preceded in Surah qaf Then secondly, we have the Qalb, which is the place which is ready to receive the effect. However, the heart that is being spoken of here is not any heart. It has to be a heart which is living. It has to be a living heart. Because you know that the hearts of the people, hearts of mankind are of three types. There is a living heart, there is a dead heart and there is a sick heart in the middle. The living heart, the heart is the heart of those believers with iman and taqwa and birr and so on and so forth. And the dead heart is the heart of a kafir. And the sick heart is the heart which has something of life but it has some disease in it as well. Okay. So for a heart to benefit, it must not be dead. It must have life, must be living. And this we see in the Qur'an in another part of the Quran, Allah says, "Inhu wa illa ذكرٌ وقرآنٌ مبين لينذر من كان حياً." That indeed this is a reminder and a clear Quran, which, by which, you know, the one who is living may be admonished. So, لينذر من كان حياً to admonish the one who is living clearly. It's not speaking about living, living, because everybody is living. The kafir is living, the munafiq is living, the believer is living, the muwahid is living, the mushrik is living. But it's speaking about the living heart. That's what the ayah is referring to, the heart which is living. So, we said, we have the thing which produces the effect, which is a revelation. Then we have the thing which receives the effect. And this thing is the heart, but the heart must be living. Then the condition must be fulfilled, It must have a condition. What is this condition? This is what Allah mentions next. al-qas Sama'a Which means that even though a person has a heart which is living, a condition for him to benefit is that he has, he has to consciously listen. He must want to listen. Because the revelation is there, but he's now got to bring his heart to connect with the thing which is being heard, which is done by the listening al so he must now make his listening to receive the Quran. He's got. To, he's actually, actually, he's got to hear it, right? So this means the faculty of hearing. But, and now this connects to our discussion of what we were speaking about earlier on at the beginning. There are two types of hearing. There is the sam of Idraq and there is the sam of ghafla. So, we've got three things now. We have. The thing which benefits, which is the Qur'an. We have the thing that ought to receive the benefit, which is the heart. Yes, must be a living heart. And then this heart, there must be a condition attached to it, which is that the ears must be listening attentively. So the heart can receive what is being heard, what is being said. So that's the condition. The condition is that one must actively listen. Then fourthly, there is a barrier that has to be absent. And Allah says at the end of this verse, wahua shaheed. So he you know, he directs his hearing to what ought to be heard, wa shaheed, whilst he is attentive and he is a witness. Right? Meaning that his heart is present along with his hearing. Because a heart can be absent alongside a person hearing. As we said before. In the Qur'an, we said there are those people who say we hear and we disobey. And there are people, as Allah mentions in the Qur'an, that there are those, you know, the the meaning of which is that they hear with the ears, but it does not penetrate the hearts. This meaning is is mentioned in the Qur'an in a number of places. So the point being here now, is in order for a person to benefit from speech and from a reminder, then there must be the thing which benefits and then the heart to receive the benefit, then the ears must be listening, and the heart must be present. All of these are the conditions of benefiting from the Qur'an. And if any one of these are absent, then a person cannot benefit from the Qur'an. If his heart is dead, he cannot benefit from the Qur'an. If he doesn't direct his ears to that which benefits, which gives an admonition, clearly he will not benefit from the Qur'an, meaning he's turned away from the Qur'an. And if he hears, and his heart is heedless of somewhere else, then he will not benefit from the Qur'an either. So from all of this, when Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah says, Isma', Isma," then we should understand all of these affairs. Isma, kalama fi qawlihi. That we understand all of these issues to do with the faculty of hearing. Then, Ibn Taymi, he says, Isma kalama muhakkikin. We said that the meaning of this is that Ibn Taymi is saying to this individual who asked him, Listen to the speech of one who has verified and ascertained the truth of what he is saying and the truth of what he is about to tell you. What is the meaning of this word? Muhakik"? What does it mean? Muhakik"? What does it mean? The one who is a muhakkik? An English translation, a rough English English translation would be, Someone who is a verifier, he verifies, he ascertains the truth in an issue. And sometimes in when they say a muhaqik in relation to the Madahib, the schools of thought of fiqh, a muhaqik is someone who follows the usul of his Imam and then he opposes him in certain issues because there is a mistake in those particular issues. So therefore, he has, he has investigated, studied, analyzed, research, and found that this view or this opinion is not in agreement with the, the book and the sunnah and what the sahaba were upon. So therefore, after verifying this matter, he then follows that matter, uh, he follows the evidence rather than following uh, his imam. So here now, he has made tahqiq. He is a muhakkik. He's verified the truth. And this is the general meaning of uh, the, the the word here muhakkik in this uh, concept uh, in this in this context. So when Ibn Taymiyyah is saying, listen, isma kalama muhakkikin fi qawlihi he's saying listen to the one who has verified the truth of what he's about to tell you. Is this considered to be a praise, a self praise, a tazkiyah? This is not considered to be a tazkiyah. Because in the Quran, Allah says, "فَلَا تُزَكُّوا أَنفُسَكُمْ وَهُوَ أَعْلَمُ That do not praise yourself. Indeed, Allah knows the one who is truly uh, righteous or the one who is truly truly has taqwa. So here, this is not being said by way of self-praise. It's not being said by way of self-praise. When Ibn Taymiyyah says, "Listen to the speech of a muhakkik, one who has verified the truth in what he says." uh Continu the Allah inshallah. So here, this statement is not a tazkiyah, self-praise. Rather, it is an issue of establishing the truth, the clear truth, which is known and tr- transmitted from the Sahaba. And this is like we see in the Qur'an, in the ayah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That Allah is the one who has sent his messenger with guidance and the true deen, the true religion, in order that it may prevail over all other religions, even if the pagans detest it. So here, the deenul haq the true religion, then here, this, this speech here, isma'a kalama fi listen to the speech of the muhakkik in what he is about to tell you, then here he simply establishing, that this what is going to be mentioned in what follows is the is the true religion is in fact from the true religion right? because it is transmitted from uh, the sahaba okay then there is an issue to do with the statement isma'a kalama محقق fi قوله this word al-qawl al-qawl So there's a discussion here regarding what is the meaning of Qawl and what is the meaning of Kalam and so what we'll do inshallah we'll just introduce it briefly at this point and then we'll elaborate upon it in more detail in the next lesson So Qawl and Kalam these are two words in Arabic Qawl and Kalam and in English we tend to translate them both as speech or statement but there's a difference in Arabic between these two words First of all when we say we can mention two of them here first of all when we say qawl when we use the word qawl then the word qawl can refer to any utterance any utterance even if that utterance doesn't have a complete meaning doesn't have a complete meaning so it can be any 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 utterance of any word whereas when we use kalam When we use the word kalam, so qawl we would say statement And kalam we would say speech But really in in English it doesn't really convey the difference It's hard to convey the difference between these two When we say kalam Now kalam is something that conveys a full meaning Like if I said to you for example If I said to you um, An example would be He stood If I said to you he stood or if I said, the man, and I stopped. Here, this is قول. Right? But the meaning isn't complete. So I've made an utterance, I've said something, I've made a love. I've uttered something, but there isn't a complete meaning that enters into your mind. right? In whereby, I don't need to give any further explanations to help you understand what I meant. Right? So here, قول is something that doesn't provide necessarily a complete meaning. I can say, the man. The man What? This is قول. Or I could say, he stood. Who stood? Right, this is qawl. Whereas kalam is if I said, uh, Abdullah stood. Abdullah stood. Now, this is a complete meaning which is provided. This is kalam. And likewise, if I, if I said, uh, the man uh, walked to the masjid, now it's a complete meaning which, I, which I've presented to you. So this is one difference The second difference that some of the scholars mentioned as well, is that kalam, when we use the word kalam, then the kalam is ascribed to the one who it came from. Like for example, the best way to illustrate is with the Quran itself. The Quran is the kalam of Allah. Is that not right? The Qur'an is the kalam of Allah. Because the Qur'an was spoken by whom? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It, it is His speech. Therefore we say, the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can we say that the Qur'an is the kalam of the Messenger of Allah? <coughs> no. That's why in the Qur'an it doesn't come that the kalam is the Messenger of Allah. Rather it says, إِنَّهُ لَقَوْلُ Rasulin Karim. That's what it says in the Qur'an. That indeed, it is the saying, the statement of a noble messenger. In fact, this ayah occurs twice. in لَقَوْلُ Karim. Once it refers to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, and another time it occurs, it re- refers to the Jibreel salam. So in both instances, Allah says that indeed, this is the speech of a noble messenger. A noble messenger from the angels, and a noble messenger from the men. So the word qawl can be, used to re- can be used to refer to both. Whether that speech is yours, or whether the speech is not yours. So we can say the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah. We can only say the Qur'an is the kalam of Allah. It's not the kalam of anybody else. Because the kalam is attributed to the one whom it originates with. Whereas qawl can be one or the other. So if someone transmits the speech of Allah, reading the Qur'an, like the Prophet Muhammad or Jibreel Then we can say that this is the qawl of uh, Jibreel and the qawl of uh, Muhammad Even though we know it is the kalam of Allah So this now is the essential Difference between, or these two issues here They are the essential difference between what is Qawl and what is Kalam. So now the question Here that we're going to Discuss once we understand these two points Is why Is, why did he say here Isma'a, isma'a Kalama مُحَقِّقٍ فِي قَوْلِهِ Why did he use the word listen to the speech of the muhakkik in his qawl? In his qawl, in his, in what he is about to say. And this inshallah ta'ala we will discuss in the next lesson. So we'll bring our lesson to a close here today. وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَصَلَّى Muhammad wa مُحَمَّدُ Alihi Wa وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ The time for the salah inshallah.